Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to DA Rockstars. Jules and I are so glad you're here. If you are new to the show, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, we're so glad you're here. We appreciate every single dental assistant that takes time out of their day to learn together with us and to try and be better versions of ourselves tomorrow than we are today. So today's episode is a little bit lengthy, but totally worth it if you guys have some time and you're, you're doing a project at home. But we went over the DA's checklist. Um, now, this is really important information to have on hand when you're going back to your practice. Every state is different as far as when your return date is. And uh, I thought it was a great idea for Jules to go and put together a list for us to, you just have a blueprint, right? I mean, these are uncharted waters. So I hope you guys enjoy and take away as many pearls as I did. We are using the robot to find out more about Zen. Power features include more than 250,000 products and more than 200 distributors on the platform. Zen eliminates the need for placing orders on different websites. Zen price comparison. It's a feature that allows you to see price transparency all in one place. Access to special pricing. They use buying leverage to negotiate prices with Zen members. Same products or house brands are typically at 25 to 40% discount. Zen supplies gives you access to safety data sheets for all products in inventory with Zen. Either you are using iPad or desktop, MSDS will be at your fingertips. A sample feature allows you to see price transparency in one place. Entire order or individual product can be processed with a peace of mind. Did we mention free shipping on orders of $59 or more when purchasing from Zen Preferred Distributors? If you didn't like the product, you can always request a refund and return product for free. Are you ready to see Zen Supplies perform magic for your practice? Visit www.zensupplies.com. Q&A bar, that would be great. So we see the little red alert for questions so we don't miss any when we're done. All right, so I came up with a checklist from an assistant standpoint while the ADA and everybody else that has a checklist out there for opening sometimes I don't think as detailed as us. So I figured I'd sit down and, and work myself through if, if I was to go into my practice tomorrow and have to open up for a normal day of patients. Not a normal day because nothing's normal right about now, right? Right. Um, what are some things I would look for and what some things I need to do? We just need to be prepared. And I know if some of the teams out there are not prepared and you feel unpaired, it's okay. And we can help you or reach out or research, do your research. I mean, because these are on, you know, certain times and we don't want to... Um, put ourselves in danger. And, you know, if you've worked for a doctor that really didn't have all his infection control on the up and up, now's the time for you to step up and be the leader and help them with that. And hopefully they'll see your side of things. I know a lot of hygienists and front office team members are doing the same. So, you know, if it's you against the doctor, well, it'll be a good thing. But it really needs to help it happen. And we really just need to kind of elevate our career in the infection control standpoint so right. during this time and i think it's important too for you guys to understand that everything is fluid i mean the guidelines constantly change as the science comes out so yeah. things that we may say today in this webinar may be uh you know changed by next week it's a it's a they fluid came, situation and the cdc just came out with a, a new bunch of stuff on the 27th which i'll put in links on our resource page i'm loading them all up today you know, the, the ADA link for you to download, the dental check, I'll put that in there. OSAP, you'll get a code at the end of this to be a member of OSAP. 
Um, so there's a lot of things we can think about as dental assistants to better help our practices. You know what, and if it, the fight becomes a bigger fight, then it might just be time for you to step out and find another office that is going to, you know, embrace your knowledge and your skills and your ethics and your morals and all that. And it kind of sucks to say it, but I mean, even if you've been in a practice for 15 years and things haven't done the way that you've known that they've been to done, maybe times to change it or change practices. So, um, and I'm gonna email you guys this checklist that I typed up. Well, it's not a checklist, it's just a list, but you can check it off. Um, but I'm gonna go over it and then we'll have nice Q&A. If any times you get questions, just feel free to put them in the little question Q&A so we can see them and we'll go through them, okay? Um, patient flow. So when returning to your offices, I really suggest if you haven't reopened yet or you're getting to reopen, is that you as a team sit down and you can suggest it, sit down and come together and figure out how you're gonna all manage this and how we're gonna triage patients in from the initial phone call to you know, coming back. So it's really important that everybody's on the same page, everybody knows their role. It's kind of like that yearly OSHA training that you go through your medical emergencies. You know, it's really who's gonna call 911 and who's gonna get the AED and all that type of stuff that we really should be doing. So we kind of are a really, really well-oiled machine. Hate to be the status quo saying that all the time, but that is what people use. So for patient flow, you know, we should send a letter to patients outlining our new arrival and check-in processes. In the letter, I, th I think it's good not to instill fear in them that you haven't been doing infection control processes the way they ne need to do, that you just been um, doing them always this way, but now you're following the new CDC guidelines. So really kind of making it not look like things weren't done on the up and up if they weren't, just ensuring them that everything is safe for them to come to the dental office. And what your new process is, whether it's waiting in the car, waiting outside the reception area until you come into a building. You know, we are in um, a freestanding building. We have our own building. So they can sit and wait out in their car and then we can call or text them in, okay? Uh, posters for the waiting room about proper hygiene and safe distancing, COVID. They're all available on the CDC. And also, um, oh, Rhonda's showing them, good. And we'll put all the links to them on, the, on our website so you can just download them with a click. Um, but anything that's gonna pertain to helping them know that they feel, you know, like, I'm in New York State, we have to wear masks. It's a thing to wear masks. Um, I don't know if any other states are, have that mandate, but we have to wear a face covering. So your patients, if you're in a state that's um, rep, uh, recommending face coverings, that they should have face coverings when they come into the practice. Obviously we can't work on them with a face covering, but we'll have them remove it. Um, the initial phone call for screening, there, the ADA had a really good checklist per patient that you, know, you, you and your team could work through. I think it's, it's downloadable in a Word doc, so you could tweak it and, and do what you need to for your practice. But the initial phone call, whoever works your front desk, should ask, you know, when they call to schedule or call to confirm the questions, you know, have you fever, have you been ill, have you been out of the country, have you had COVID? I mean, all these questions so that we are kind of aware of what we're doing. Obviously, we wanna remind patients that 
if they have been sick to mm-hmm. not come in and stay home. No. If your team no. has been sick, stay home. So I think a lot more, I'm seeing a lot more patients are aware of that and calling and saying, okay, we're not going to come in because we're not, we're not feeling good. Especially I had an emergency patient schedule and then two days later he didn't feel good. So he called and he's like, I don't feel good. I don't think it's COVID because they don't have that many in their area. He's like, but I'd rather not come in, which is great. It's perfect. Um, arrival protocol for arriving, you know, some things that they're suggesting stay in the car text or call when you come in, face coverings required, hand sanitizing. If you can put that hand sanitizer like near the entrance where they come in, if you have more than one door that they have to open to come into your practice like mine, you might want to have one always remain open. So the main entrance stay closed, but then we have an entrance way and then we have a reception area. So we might want to keep that door open so they don't have to touch the door. They can just walk in. Um, but they can hand sanitize, um, screen with their temperature, right? We're taking temperatures and always read the instructions for use on those temperatures because some, I was in a webinar and some have different degrees. One might be a degree higher or lower. So always read how to use it to make sure we're using it properly. Um, single person appointments. Uh, if you work in a pediatric practice, you know, maybe one parent per kid uh, so that, you know, the kid can, the kid can be with a parent during a room or you're an elderly and you need help getting into the practice. Um, we want to try to eliminate, it doesn't mean you can't come with them and sit in the car and let your 18 year old come in, get their teeth cleaned or whatever, and come back out. Just, we want to eliminate the traffic flow into the office and the bodies, the extra added bodies. So that's something you might want to you know, if you have a family that has 10 kids and you always schedule them all at once, you don't want 10 people hanging out in the waiting room. But if they want to come and one come in at a time, that's different. It's just we don't want the extra bodies in the waiting room at this time. Um, no companion unless parent or um, kiver elderly, excuse me. Is that a cat? <laughs> I just see a cat on the screen. Ah, all righty. No cats are allowed in the practice either, people. Okay, no pets. I don't know if you have any of your patients bring their pets, but they need to stay home now. Um, let's see, simple, easy. Okay, so the reception area. Simple, easy to be cleaned, okay? I have always had fabric chairs in our reception room, and we just bought a pack of five on Amazon, like 189 bucks simple gray sturdy holds 300 pounds chairs that can be easily cleaned because ours were bent double benched so they would sit together some in some areas so i just did five because and we can space them out apart so we might want to look at the configurations of our reception area to let people be spaced apart not sitting on one another and on top of them okay coffee bars we all a lot of them have coffee bars or water Unfortunately, we're going to have to eliminate that for now um, and just hold off on that. If they need some water, maybe hand them a bottle of water instead of having it in the refrigerator. Make it say a oh, water is available per need basis or just ask us if you need water and we can get it for you. So we have little bottles and if a patient says, oh, I need a glass of water, we'll just go get them a little bottle of water. Magazines. If you really have to have magazines, you can always get an iPad. 
you know, put a barrier on it and have them scroll through an iPad. Uh, magazines, toys, unfortunately toys. Um, maybe prop the doors up to eliminate the touching of extra surfaces. If you have an open barrier, uh, open counter, you know, where people check in openly and they can see everything, um, you might want to have a plexiglass. I know there's several companies out there. I even found some on Amazon that Velcro to the counter. I personally don't want any permanent structures built that would require drilling and construction, just something temporarily that I, I could put up and put down. But what we will be doing is having our, I have a girl that works with, I kind of float in this office. Um, so she is going to work home remotely and she's gonna answer the phone at home and she's gonna check out patients from home and she's going to do insurance from home and, and all that stuff from home because her and I literally sit back to back. It's so tiny. So I'd rather be there because I do all the sterilization and help the flow and she can answer all that stuff from home. So those are things you could look at too because it's not that hard for your IT departments to set up people remotely. And if you have a great ID, um, um, great IT company, they should be able to um, have you remote in securely and, and provide that for you like mine does. I've been remoting in and checking emails and, and all that stuff right from my computer. Um, chairs, remove extra ones, space apart. And if you have them, you know, not be on top of each other, make sure you can easily clean them so that you can go out a couple times after people sit there. And this is, doesn't really fall on us. It should be the front office should be taking care of the reception area. Me, I am the front office sometimes, so I will be helping wiping down knobs and, and chairs and doors and all that stuff just to kind of make sure that it's okay and it's clean as far as we know it's clean. Patient forms. Okay, COVID-19 screen form, the ADA had a great one. You can download it right off their website um, and have a patient fill it out. You keep it on file in their record. You can scan it in most of the time. And then a patient consent form for treatment during COVID. There's also one of those floating around out there that you know we see an emergency, they should be filling that out as precautionary if we are seeing emergencies or if we are seeing back to a somewhat normal schedule we should really have them fill these out. Appointment links, I just had someone call me yesterday about appointment links for a pediatric practice. What would I do? And I'm like, hmm, it's hard. You know, more time. They have four ops, you know, maybe every other op you'd work out of. Um, maybe one hygienist a day, if that's what's gonna be allowed. So really your patient appointment links really, really need to no overlapping, no double booking because it's gonna it's gonna be an adjustment and I'm not gonna say it's forever, but at least for the next three months, I would say that your practices have to adjust. Will your doctor feel angst and we're not producing enough and we're not seeing enough? Yes, we will, but we have to look at the bigger picture and us as assistants have to look at the bigger picture that this is not gonna be like this forever. But it's also good for us because we are always the ones running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And now we can kind of slow it down and, and tweak things and do things at a more pace that's good for our bodies and good for the practice of dental assisting. So, um, so the appointment lakes, you know, add 10 to 15 minutes to them because when we get to the PPP, PPE section, not the PPP, that's the loan, the PPE section, <laughs> 
Um, there's a lot of things we're going to have to do, and there, it's a little bit lengthier of time in and out of the operatory. Okay. Yeah. Check out front office should have level three masks and gloves um, when taking payment and sanitize hands often. For co-pays, you could have patients swipe the card themselves so they don't touch, you don't take the card from them. Or you could have a little blank sheet of paper and they can write down their card number and then you could show them you shred it and so on and so forth. So that way it, there's no eliminating. Or you can call them, we know uh, co-pays right before they come in. So I could call and say, hey, we're not taking cash or credit cards. I'll get that information over the phone before you come in and take that information. So it just eliminates more hand-to-hand. -hand. Now I know we go to the grocery store and they take our credit card, we put it in and all that stuff. But for us, from a standpoint, we're just trying to be as cautious as we can. Um, practice flow with the team. Who does what and how's it going? This is really important. How I don't know if anybody can raise their hand or say yes in the chat, but have you um, gone over with your teams on um, who's doing what, how we're doing what, or are we just kind of winging it? I hope nobody's winging it. I'm hoping that you know your doctors have reached out to you and put a plan into place so there's not all this chaos on the first day back. Um, so hopefully we've, you know, come together as a team and we've practiced like who's doing what and, and what, what our role is. Um, bathrooms, remove any clutter. I even say if you have a cabinet, take it out because patients are nosy. I hate to be the one, but they like to go in the cabinets <laughs> and take things. Um, but so one person says, yeah, we'll not be back to the 18th. That's yeah. But definitely, if you be, before you go back to the 18th, definitely um, get a good plan together. Uh, somebody had a Zoom meeting, that's good. And we did last month. And your endo seeing emergencies, yes. I'm, sh I'm sure you guys have been busy too with the endo emergencies. Isn't um, that weird though? It's like when you go to the bathroom, your food shows up at the table. Like I've had so many people call me, I might have tooth pain. I'm like, really? Like I've been working for this dentist in town for how many years? And now you have a toothache? <laughs> Just because, yep. you know, that's the only thing we can see, which is good, but it's just weird how this stuff comes out of the woods. It does. Work. It does. People come out of the woods. Yeah. yeah. People come out of the woods. Uh, bathrooms, remove clover. You might want to hang signs about washing your hands if you don't have them already. Mm -hmm. um, stock with paper towels and hand sanitizer. Um, and mouth rinse. I mean, maybe put some little mouth rinses out for patients to take home do before. I'm sure hygiene will have their own protocol that they make people do chair side um, so that they can, you know, treat them or we can treat them and make sure that's a safe environment. So daily huddle for mental health chats. Do we think the 18th? Oh, Ms. Carrie, I don't know. I'm thinking June. I hate to say it. I hate to be the bearer. Our governor is not too nice. I miss you, Carrie. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's not, our state's a hot mess, unfortunately, compared to some other states, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So it's open, it's reopen time. And a lot of the stuff I have on the checklist, the, the patient flow was just kind of like an overview. So you guys are not shocked when you go back to your practice. I think hopefully they've conveyed to you what they want your role to be in this. Um, and communicating with your team members, because that is the key communication. And if any of you dental assistants that are out there have 
not heard from your doctors or have been, I'm sorry, I really am. I am. I'm truly sorry. I was with two other doctors the other day and we were talking about communication is key. Even if the doctor just texts you, hey, how you're doing? It is key. It is key. It is key. You know what I loved about my doctor was when this whole thing happened, she was mm -hmm. like, I don't know what to tell you, but as I learn it, I will tell you like super right. transparent. A lot of doctors are so analytical and they don't want to say anything. So they just don't say anything, but it's mm -hmm. better for the health of the team is if you tell me you don't know the answers, but you're trying to get me the answers. Like in a lot of doctors, they just weren't given that tool in dental school to work with people. Right. You know, like if you show me that you're insecure and that you don't know the answers, that's okay. But if you don't talk to me at all, that's not okay. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's a scary time for all. And I think we all have to be empathetic of everybody's feelings. And it's hard sometimes, especially if you've worked in a practice that it's not a family orientated practice where your coworkers are your families. I was just texting my girls this morning and I'm like, don't worry about dinner on Monday night. Dr. Pew and I are going to get it for you. We're going to order and have it delivered, you know, things like that. But if you haven't had that practice that you're working in, it's very hard for you to see the bigger picture. And I get that. I get that, you know, not all dentists are nice guys or, or women or professional. Some are just downright jerks and it, it stinks. And that's part of our profession but how we choose as a dental assistant to recover from it and whether you stay at the current practice you're at or move on, that is what is important. You have to do what's right for you and you have to do ethically and morally what's in your gut. So it may not be the prettiest outcome, but it'll be okay. It will be okay. Um, Reopen maintenance. So let's talk about where we're gonna open. So I suggest the thorough cleaning of the office from walls to floors to everything in between. So if your office already has a cleaning company, I suggest you get them in there and kind of do almost like with a toothbrush type of cleaning where they wash the walls down, which technically you're supposed to have done per OSHA at least once a year. You wipe down, you know, if you have drapes and walls and things that are non-critical patient contact areas, but just to be on the safe side, have them come in and really do a thorough cleaning, mop your floors and do all that they can to help you out. Um, now, if the doctor wants to pay you to clean, think of a really good hourly, like $60, $75 an hour and get in there and clean because that's what I would do <laughs> if he asked me to clean. So we talked about this morning because we have uh, commercials on TV right now, Stanley Steamer, and he was saying, hey, what about Stanley Steamer? And I'm like, well, I'll just do it myself. But if not, we'll get in there to get cleaned. Um, compressor. So the first thing is our big machine that runs everything, Okay. If it has been shut off for a while or you haven't had it maintenance this year, which means the oil changed, it checked for everything, make sure it's in a well-vented area, there's no mold around it growing because if there's mold growing around it, that mold will get pulled in because it's an in-out, in, sucks air in, pushes air out. So if there is mold around it, check the floor, check the ceiling, check around it, dust it off. Have your dental tech come in and tell them you want the compressor to make sure it's running the way it is, the oil's checked and everything, it's safe, it's safe because that air can be contaminated, okay? Um, and Julie, just to piggyback on that, we had our uh, maintenance person in on Monday mm -hmm. and he said, be prepared to have things break. Mm -hmm. These machines were used to operating on a certain cycle. 
So having them sit, I mean, it's just like, you're going to talk about water lines and all the other things, but be prepared that things will break because they weren't being utilized the way they were intended. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially if we haven't used them and then we kind of go to use them. That's when they're going to, they've kind of seized up at the moment. Um, so your compressor, just make sure it's checked. You hear it running. It's normal. Like I said, I don't know anything about compressors. I do know how they work, but I wouldn't know how to fix it. So I'll call my Larry and he'll come over and do everything for me. He just changed our amalgam separator. That's one thing I forgot to put on this list. I will, but you know, even time to change your amalgam separator that's been sitting there. Most states it's mandated to have one. Uh, I think it's going to be by October 1st of this year that every state has to have an amalgam separator. But if you haven't had it changed, just get it changed out. That way you don't have to worry about things for the next three to six months with that. Water lines, okay, if we've been really stagnant and only used one or two operatories, we just had a great webinar with ProEdge Dental Labs, Water Labs, and I would suggest shocking and then testing. Shock first, then test, and then go from there. Um, they have a great paddle system and they were sending out free kits for, they have an upcoming webinar. So if no, nobody's ever tested their water before, they have a great, you can go to proedgedentalwaterlabs.com is it, or is it proedgedental.com? Um, proedgedental. But they have a great webinar for two CEs all about water, uh, water testing. And if you join the webinar, they will send you a free test kit with the paddle method. So right now, um, you know, shock those water lines. I shock mine weekly and test every couple months and we haven't had an issue and we use distilled water. Um, let's see, clean the self-contained. If you have self-containers that have been sitting there with or without water, you might want to pull them off, um, do like half bleach and half water, rinse and swish them around, and then just rinse them really thoroughly, or use a chemical you've used to shock and just kind of switch it around. I, we use a clean clear or clean, it's like a green bottle, and we just pour it inside the self-contained and really swish them or, and clean them out, and then let them air dry before you fill them back up um, so that it's good, nice, and clean for the water that it's gonna hold. Making sure you have enough distilled water. Check your water supply. Because if it's been sitting there, you want to make sure that it's good and not open. If it's been open, I would just kind of maybe dump it and open a new fresh one because we don't know. Um, but just check your water supply because nothing like, and right now distilled water is kind of hard to get. I'm trying to get some distilled water. I haven't been able to get much, one or two at a time. They have a limit on everything here in New York. Um, so making sure you distilled water, your tabs, if you're using tabs or a straw, check your tabs, check your straw. And ProEdge did say, what did they say? To leave the water in it. In the lines, but not in your bottle over the weekend. Right. Do not flush the lines out or blow the lines out. Mm -hmm. Leave the water in it with whatever you've treated it with and empty the container. But they have a whole system. They're really fabulous. The best I've ever found and simple for us to maintain is dental assistance. Traps. From the small trap, and the small uh, suction, small HVE, and you know the big one on your unit that you have to shut the compressor off, open and take it out. We should be changing our traps, okay? Also, 
the, the head of the HPE where stuff goes in, if we take it apart and kind of clean it out and autoclave it and then put it back, it is autoclavable um, and get stuff, make sure there's no crud and stuff building up in that. And it's really, even though we flush our lines, sometimes that stuff still builds up around the rim where those two pieces, the hose and the, the um, HVE uh, head comes together. And all should be changed often. Change them once a week. Um, it's really good, especially if you're higher volume than my practice is. Lab area, sometimes we forget about the lab area. I know I do, because uh, I don't use it that often. But let's clean it up, and, you know, clean up with a, you know, an EPA, make sure we turn on all the machines that they work, they're not seized up, or like your um, model trimmer, run some water through it, clean it out, make sure it works in case you have to use it. And then clean out those stone traps too and run water from the faucets. So if you have faucets that you haven't turned on, kind of go around and run them for a couple, a few, four minutes. Um, I know we have a faucet in the back that we hardly ever use. And when I run it, I'm like, ooh, you know, I have to run it. Even though it's town water and it works fine, you can drink out of it. It just sits there for a while because nobody uses it. So. Especially if your eye wash station is on said sink. Oh guys. yeah, check your eye wash station. We'll get to you, the ocean book. But yeah. <laughs> check your eye wash station. That was a good time. That was a good time. Uh, your sterilization area, organize it. If it wasn't organized before and you're, you know, there were some things you always wanted to change it about it, let's change it now. Let's make it the best possible situation for yourself, the best possible flow. Make sure the counters are clutter free. Check inventory on your disinfectants that you need, your ultrasonic solution, your pouches, your wrap, your tape, and your monitoring strips. And note, if you wrap cassettes, inside needs to be an indicator strip. And outside is the tape. You have to have an internal monitoring system that tells you that it is sterilized. So if you don't are not using strips right now, go ahead and yeah. purchase cross-tech cross strips. Uh, and your logs for your autoclave. We'll go, when we get to the OSHA book, we'll go over that. Um, your autoclave. I would suggest if they've sat for a while, if you've been running one because you see emergencies, I would suggest that taking them, draining them, doing the speed clean, whatever, or whatever maintenance you have. I have a Minmark 11, two of them. So we speed clean them once a month, wipe out everything. Barkeeper's friends, great for the trays, just saying, shines them right up. Don't use it inside the autoclave, but use it on the trays, okay? Um, but do your whole spore testing after you clean it and your maintenance on both autoclaves, okay? It takes a lot of water, just so you know. So we have to make sure we have enough water on hand and distilled at that. Uh, check the water supply, uh, the running distilled, short supply, and before a spore test and make sure your logs are up to date. I would also call and make sure if it's been, we've been closed since March 17th, um, except for emergencies on Mondays. So I'm gonna call and get my, my last spore test result because kind of don't remember when I took it. I wrote it down, but I haven't received the report. So I want to just make sure everything was okay, which I believe it was, but um, we just want to double check, make sure we have those, those um, reports on hand. Ultrasonic, do the FOIL test. Has anybody ever done a FOIL test? 
on their ultrasonic? Does everybody know what a FOIL test is? Rhonda's going to Google it. Um, oh, no, I know what it is. Oh, <laughs> you're Googling. <laughs> no, it's itching myself with a pin. Oh, okay. So <laughs> put a piece of aluminum foil in there, turn it on. If it crumples up and stuff like that, then it's working. If it does nothing, then we have an issue with our ultrasonic. Because remember, the purpose of an ultrasonic is to remove debris. It doesn't disinfect or clean the instruments. It just removes the debris with implosion and explosion, okay? But we need to make sure it's removing debris off of instruments correctly. So I would spore test that. Also make sure you have your lid because we should be using the lids on our ultrasonic. Every time, no matter what, folks. Not touch the sides of the ultrasonic, which is hard because that thing floats around. So you just have to make sure it doesn't. Um, but make sure you're using your lid and turn it on after you place the lid. Don't turn it on and then put the lid on. So we just have to be a little bit more mindful than trust me, I've done it all, you know, you're in a hurry and you just do it and you just, you know, throw the instruments in, turn it on, and then put the lid. And then now I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to think before I do because I wanna make sure that I'm safe and everybody else is safe. Um, ultrasonic cleaner, make sure you clean it out. I usually clean mine out with Optum One, drain it. Um, we don't have, we dump ours. We don't have a little tube that goes to it because they get all nasty and gross, but we just dump ours. Or if you have an HVE and you're, you can suck it up. But however it is, just make sure your ultrasonic is nice and clean and ready to go. Uh, if you have an instrument washer, I'm not familiar with those. I do know what they are. We had one and it broke um, and I never replaced it. And so maintenance your instrument washer. I don't know if they have to be cleaned or however they have to be maintenance, but it might be time for you to pull out the manuals and make sure that it's maintenance the way it needs to be. They're great, but I don't know how to take care of them because I've never had one, but. So just read your instructions for use on how to maintenance and clean for it. Just like if you have a, a Titan, or what's it, Tottenauer, Tottenauer autoclave? What all the fancy dials? Oh, yeah. Mm. Or a statum. I've never, I've never worked statum. with statum. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you clean your statum? So you just, same concept, um, you, they have, you know, follow your IFUs and, and internal wiping it out. Um, right. I don't, yeah. I mean, everybody's got a different type. Right. So, so I mean, I, I would hate to tell anybody how to clean something, you know, in case they're like, oh, well, they told me on that webinar to do this. <laughs> and we're like, did you look at your manual? <laughs> for myself, I've never used, well, like I said, we had one for a short brief and then it died and I just never replaced it. So I really never knew how to clean it. I'd put like, you know, Tide Pods in there or something. I don't know. But well, I, was, I mean, you remember it's paper up or paper down. Like we all have different sterilizers, right? Yeah. And it's so easy to say, oh, it's supposed to be paper up. Well, yeah, in your model. Right. You know, <laughs> why can't they just make it universal so we don't have to deal with this? That's what they should. That's what they should. <laughs> so your dental chairs, these are your operatory chairs. And I say, you know, the hygienist should be responsible for the area, their area front desk. We should be responsible for our operatories because that's our main area. So this is a checklist I would give my hygienist and my other front office person and say, here's what we're all doing. This is what needs to be done. Um, so their dental chairs, you know, I'd raise them up, I'd wipe them down from top to bottom, the base, everything, make sure all the controls work, there's no loose buttons, there's no loose anything. The water and air syringe are really, really good and working. Um, the lights work, because you ever sat down and the light doesn't work on the, on the dental unit and you're like, mm, I gotta go change a light bulb. 
So the light bulbs clean the, the plexiglass that's on them, or maybe you'll have to buy new ones. If you go in Monday to do all this, or you're you know, getting prepared to open and you look at it and it looks really nasty, they're not that hard to get, they're not that expensive to replace them. Um, hand piece motors, you know, look at them, make sure they're working properly and they're cleaned, okay? And wipe down all the cords, you know, all the cords that go from the delivery unit, the ones on the HPE, their water, just wipe them all down really nice and clean so that they're ready to go. And the chairs, like we have little chair covers, but the dirt somehow finds their way to get underneath them. So we can, they're Velcroed on. I don't know how they, I don't it's know how. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so they Velcro on, they're about $36.99 a piece, just so you know. Um, and you can take them off, clean them up, and then put them back on. Okay. And if your doc, you know, wants to support a local business too, I know we had seamstress in our town that yeah. help make them. You know, we just buy them the product and then they'll, they'll cut it to size and put the velcro Yeah, and I don't, on. our chairs are pretty smooth and I don't know why we have, don't, we have them. I, I don't know. They've just always been on there. So I just replace them every once in a while. Um, your operatory machines. So let's check things that we use through our procedures to make sure they're working. The curing light. Let's test it to make sure it's charged and test the light strength. Even though we haven't used it, so it should be okay, we still want to make sure we're checking that every so often anyways to make sure that the, the light that's coming out is at 800, it's either between 600 or 800 something or other. Um, and there's a device for it. I'm going to look it up so I can give you the name. Okay. But check the light strength. Um, and barriers. We should have barriers for our carrying lights, so let's check our supply on that. Your titration machines, you know, if you still do amalgam or you do cement in there or whatever you use it for, just put a, one sample in there, make sure that everything is working the way that it was when you left and, it's, and it goes. What's it called? So it's blue light. Uh, can okay. you see it? It's a little box that you buy or you can have yeah. them come in and do it, um, but it's called bluelightanalytics.com. Okay. And it's really not crazy expensive. I think it, when I saw one, hang on, it says buy now. Uh, it just makes so much sense instead of half cure in a composite just because the light's on. Um, it yeah, it won't tell me what it costs. And if you have course. any type of Patterson, Henry Schein, Iva Clark, Benko, Darby. Yeah, you know, they provide that, a lot of those. Services. They'll provide all those services like, hey, can you come in and check our light? We don't have the box to check our light. I don't know what it's called. I keep, I forgot, but we do have one and it needs batteries and we just charge it and just check the light and make sure it's curing at the rate we're supposed to. So that everything I think it's just done. called checkup. Checkup? Like I think the light checker is called checkup. Hmm. I'll have to research that. It's, I saw uh, them at VOD. Yeah. They're really smart people. It's a smart tool to have. Very smart. <laughs> uh, check where you're working. Additional mechanical things that you have to, um, have sat and you have to turn on, turn off, like all the lights underneath cabinets, you know, your Sonos radio, if you have one of those in there, um, and, you know, your x-ray heads, if you have x-ray units inside your operatories, you know, make sure you turn them on, do a test x-ray with your sensor to make sure that your IT is working, your computer, and that everything you normally do is up and running. So, you know, put your sensor down on the chair, put a penny on it, put the tube head to it, walk out of the room, take it, make sure you come back and it's exposed at the, the level and everything. Your, you know, your x-ray bibs, you know, wipe those down completely. Um, 
your other um, things, if you have a CEREC machine, which I do, we drained before we left. So it's gonna be, have to be cleaned, new filter, new oil, um, new place, replace the burrs in it, replace um, and just wash it out or you know, wipe it out the inside of the milling unit and then calibrate the camera and calibrate the burrs. That's what I would suggest to do. So everything is ready to go. And maybe just run, you know, find an old patient and run their crown to make sure it goes without a hitch from start to finish. In the event that this, you know, you can do procedures like that or you're back to normal like some states are. But, you know, check it, check your burr box supply, make sure you have all your cements for it. So these are things like, you, you, you don't wanna get chair side and have to leave chair side because if you leave chair side, you have to change your PPE. So we're trying to eliminate that now. So we just have to really think a lot more strategically what's going into every procedure. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And any interoral camera. So if you have an iTero or three shape or whatever you have, just make sure you go through, turn it on, you know, look at it, check it, you know, practice being patient on it, just making sure that it works so that when you go to use it, there's no hiccups. Because that's what's going to happen if we haven't done these things and something's not working, it's going to fall back on us. And then we have a doctor that's not too happy because we have to stop and do this stuff. Been there, done that. It always happens at least once. So we just need to kind of think one step ahead of them. Your x-ray units, you know, make sure your sensors are good. They're debris-free. They have enough barriers, you know, because we have to use barriers on them. Take a sample, okay? Make sure um, your control panels have barriers now. Even if you had a smooth control panel and you didn't use it before, I would suggest using a barrier, you know, because the purpose of a barrier is to help you be able to disinfect in a little more timely fashion, in a little easier way. Um, clean, clean it up, clean them all up. The panel or the CBC, run a test to make sure that they work, they turn on. You know, check the top. Our CBCT only goes up so high. So because our roof is slanted where it's at, so it only goes up to like a little over six foot. So when I bring it all the way down, I can see the whole top of it. So let's make sure it's nice and clean. A CBCT? Oh, yeah. Beam. CBCT, yeah. cone beam computed tomography, right? That's the fancy word according to Rona. <laughs> so it's a 3D image. Instead of like a image. traditional pano that only gives you 2D, um, yes. you can actually slice it open and look at the teeth. So it's great um, if you're looking for like apical uh, radiolucencies because you can actually yes. slice up the tooth. Yes. You can it's see exactly which canal is infected. It's wild. I mean, all the it's stuff cool. you can see on that thing. And some machines convert from pano to a CBCT. Mm -hmm. And then Kelly had said, check the gaskets on handpiece and couplers. That is true. And also, even on your air water syringe tip at the top, where you take it, where you put in the disposable or the reusable one, check those air water, you know, things, make sure there's no leaking. So, because really they could have dried up over this time frame and mm -hmm. cracked. You guys know that happens. Yes. So, check your CBCT, run a test, uh, lead vest, make sure everything is. You know, if your your CBCT is in a different room, just make sure all those parts for your CBC and your pano are all together, so you're not running all over to get everything. So good. Now's a good time too, if your office hasn't been open and you always wanted to reorganize it. Now is a good time to go ahead and do that, since there's no patients and you can kind of make it easier on you. 
uh, sharps containers and medical waste bags. So we should have a sharp container in every single room. Okay, so let's check to see how full they are. Okay, because we shouldn't be stuffing them full. Um, in my state, carpules do not belong in the sharps container. You have to expirate it. But um, medical waste bags, you want to make sure those aren't full. And because if we are going to have disposable gowns, your medical, the gown should go in the medical waste bag. So um, these are things you want to look at that can be um, easily accessible for you. And in the room, not so much out in patient view, because I'm not a big fan of having the sharps container on the counter, but somewhere where you can easily get to it or mount it on the wall. Just, I don't like the patient looking at it. Um, overhead lighting, check your overhead lighting. If you have overhead lighting, make sure all the bulbs are working. Um, check your loops. If you wear loops or if your doctor wears loops, make sure all the batteries are charged. It's cleaned up. It's ready to go. He doesn't have any issues or she doesn't have any issues or you don't have any issues because obviously we need to see and they need to see. Um, but if they've been sitting for a while, the batteries might be dead. So we might want to make sure that the batteries are charged. Um, let's see. And suggestions for, we um, put a, bought these little small HEPA filters for each room. There were units that are about this big, this wide. They were highly recommended. I think they're $189 a piece. I think I got two for like two something on Amazon and they'll plug into each room. We ordered four, we have four operatories. So you might wanna look at something like that. Patients, I think will think, oh, you know, HEPA filter. And it's also good for us because if the room is air stagnant and not circulating, it'll, it'll let the um, room circulate. So since our windows don't open in our operatories, we need to circulate some air. Um, also barriers for anything that cannot be easily cleaned, like your keyboards, your mouses, uh, handles, control panels, uh, air water syringe, you could use a barrier for. I mean, you could use a barrier for everything in the operatory. I've seen a picture floating, <laughs> floating around on Facebook, some guy with some caution tape or something. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, I'd be that assistant that would have 20 minutes to set up one room for a 10 minute procedure because I need all this stuff. So, um, but barriers, you know, we might have to go back to using barriers. They're okay. They're not that expensive. You know, they're a little lengthy to put on, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, headrest covers. And they all have to, all the barriers have to be FDA approved. We can't go to the dry cleaner and get dry cleaner bags and put them over chairs. Because okay? you they don't know how it reacts chemically when you heat it up with body heat, guys. Like right. they're laying down for a substantial amount of time. Right. 98 degree body heat can really exacerbate yeah. whatever chemical you're going to have come out of that plastic. Yeah. And I mean, you, they have to be FDA approved. So whatever, you know, Patterson, Henry Schein, um, Safco, whatever supplier you need, they all have these barriers and PPE for you. Well, hopefully they have PPE for right now. Um, light handles, control pads, things that are actively touching, you know, this will eliminate your issues of going into um, wondering if it's been cleaned or not cleaned. It helps with that. All right, do we have any questions so far? Insight, input, how are we all doing? You, Deanne, you had no idea what? Type away, lady, type away. Probably about the barriers, because that one, that one's one something I learned later on. Oh, yeah. about the heat and plastic, yeah. Yeah. And the, the barriers have to be FDA approved. 
So we just can't use, technically we're not supposed to use sandwich bags for handles. Um, they have to be by the Food and Drug Administrator for dental. Please repeat on barriers. Like barriers, um, maybe the suppliers, His, she wants to go through that, Ian. Oh, the HEPA filter I'll send a link for, yup. It was right on Amazon, first one with a little blue light. Maybe Rhonda can pull it up, put HEPA filter on Amazon and see the one that comes up. It has holes in the front. Um, let's see, yeah, PPE is the biggest concern. Yeah, and we're gonna go through that in a minute. And the barriers, anything that you think can't be easily cleaned and will take you longer than necessary to clean, I would put a barrier on for right now because we might, you know, um, it might be just easier for us to make sure. Are you putting clean barriers on as soon as you clean or right before you bring back? I set up my room. So I bring all my dirty instruments to sterilization and then I come back and wipe down my room, remove all my PE, wash my hands, and then set up my room and place all the barriers before I bring back my patient. So, and then the rooms are, you know, the front office, and I, you know, I am a front office person too, is going to be our biggest, and either they can hinder us or help us. So they can't jam pack the schedule anymore because we have to do certain things to keep our patients safe, to keep us safe. And it's gonna take a little time and adjustment. We just can't flip a room now in three minutes. We just can't, there's just things we can't do. So we're gonna have to communicate to them and hopefully they'll understand that we need, you know, more time and in certain like in my state it's going to be a whole different ball game you know i mean it's going to be a different and with anything it's it's okay but we just can't cut corners and we just can't you know um not have a level three mask just because level one is cheaper we have to do the things right in our front office who you know does the scheduling and i know practices are like that they just keep cramming and shoving that can't happen like that so hopefully they will understand that and keep our two by two and cut rolls in a container on the top drawer, easy to get to, but not out where they can be exposed. Right. But you might want to have, as you don't open that drawer during a procedure. Right. Yeah. I think you might want to have them out and set up and then so that you're not going into a drawer during the procedure. And I'll get to that in a minute. But not so all of them out, Jules, hmm? just, to, just to make sure she knows not all of them out. Oh what yeah. You no, need. Not them out. Just yeah, what you need. Cares. Yeah, just what you need. And my my girl, the other assistant I work with, she likes tray setups. I do not like tray setups. She knows that. We always fight about it. Um, I don't like to set up everything. I like to set up as I go because sometimes if we put everything on that tray and then we run out, I'm scrambling to look for it. But she's got a good system. It works for her. I just clean up after. I'm totally happy with that. Um, she works chair side with the dock, and I just kind of manage the flow. Um, but... Um, I try not to go into operatories or uh, drawers. So inventory, Let's, this is a good time to go through all your inventory. So when you go back, check all your expired things to make sure they're not expired. Cause um, things right now could be expired. If they're expired, you're gonna wanna restock them and get rid of them. So, <clears throat> Anything cupboards, expiration dates, you know, and pull your stuff first. So you should have the soonest expiration date towards you and the, the, the longest one in the back of it. My 
goal is I have two operatories, so I keep two of everything. So if I have the little Ivaclar pen, I have two of them. If I have um, the stuff that he uses for cement, I have two of them. So everything has duplicates, so we never run out, but I also check the expiration date. So now's a good time to go through your cupboards and check the expiration and also get rid of crap that you don't need. Doctors sometimes are pack rats. Hoarders. Hoarders. <laughs> we should have a dental hoarders episode. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, if there's things that you really don't need or you haven't touched, um, then just get rid of it. Box it up, put it in a tote, get rid of it, put it somewhere, take it out of your cupboard. Because really, the doctor's never going to go in the cupboard sometimes for that stuff. It's going to be us. So we should make it very convenient to us. And a practice I used to work at, I went around and put little pink stickies on it at the beginning of the year. And then I went back around and I told him, I said, if you see, if, if you touch something with a pink sticky, take it off. If at the end of the year I get through these cupboards and those pink stickies aren't gone, that item is going because that realized he didn't touch it all year long. Why does he need it in there? It was like his dental school stuff, his oh, yeah. articulator it's that he doesn't mount anymore. I'm like, just get rid of this stuff. We don't need it. You're hoard holding on to it. It's the same concept of like, if in your closet, you have a hard time getting ready to close, you turn yes. the hangers backwards. So yep. at the end of the quarter, any hanger that didn't get turned backwards, yep. that was in season, eh, you probably don't need it anymore. And the good thing is, is you can bring it to your doctor's attention. Okay. Because right now they are going to be, you know, penny pinchers and penny watchers, even if they weren't before and say, look, I noticed we're abundance and inventory of stuff we don't even use. Let me help you manage the inventory. Let me help you, you know, um, make sure that we're not overspending at this current time in state. So, you know, let me know how much we need, maybe watch how much you use. That way it's really efficient instead of, you know, you going at him and say, or them, I say him because I work for mail, sorry. Um, oh my God, he's overspending and da da da, and there's so much junk. Instead of saying, hey, let me help you with this, I can make you more financially stable in the inventory end of it. So they don't like to relinquish control, um, but lead by example and say, you know what, I'm the better person for this job, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So then let's see here. So go through all the cupboards and inventory, check all your supplies on hand for procedures. Make sure the rooms are stocked and ready to go. I suggest my biggest thing right now, since you have the time or you've had the time, is you should really sit down with your doctors and go through step-by-step -step procedure by procedure to make sure that you have everything you need out. You understand what they like. You can work you know, more efficiently together. Um, also practice how you're gonna, you know, better control the aerosols. Um, I was on the call with two doctors that I had a live with and I was telling them that you have to stop taking the handpiece out of the mouth before you step off the rheostat. I don't need a shower any longer. So there's things that they can do and we, I always have a tendency to shut it off the minute you know, he pulled the handpiece out, I would shut the, the, the HVE off. I need to let it, he needs to stop, let the water stop completely before he moves it out of the mouth. And then I'll turn off my HVE a couple minutes, couple seconds afterwards to make sure I collected the remaining. So it's just a little bit more being aware, or patients won't get showered, they'll like that. But really now take the time of going through each procedure. 
<sighs> my dog purges his needle into my face. Mm, yes, we're going to have to be more mindful of those things. Um, more mindful of those things. And I had one doctor, he would squirt it on the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sit down and go through procedure, procedure, because what we don't want is one, leaving the chair, chair side, because that means we have to change our PPE now. Um, and if we leave the operatory, we should be changing our PPE. And also efficiency, and we shouldn't be going into drawers. So we really need to sit with them and they'll probably think you're superstars if you say, hey, let's sit down and go through our procedures step-by-step. Step. I wanna make sure I know everything you like, how you make burrs, cement, composite bond whatever you use from a to z in a composite procedure let's get it down so that when you set up you know take pictures do whatever so now that you have the time i really suggest that so one you're more efficient you can get the patient in and out and two you're not having to open drawers or leave chair side during the procedure and it'll kind of make you more aware and we get busy and hectic and we just can't remember it all but now's the time we can start to remember it everything gets refined now guys from here on mm -hmm. out Yes. Um, let's see. So sitting down with them, if anybody wants a checklist, I can put it up on the website. It's a whole procedure checklist. You, it's a fillable PDF that I created. You can insert the picture and then you list everything that's in the supply, the time it takes them, which this might be also a good time for you and the doc to really hone your timing skills and then tell the front desk, okay? Tell them, it takes the doctor and I 40 minutes to do a two surface filling. We need 40 minutes. We don't need 20 minutes. We need 40 minutes. And then letting them know. Because it is important that you two are the ones doing the work, that you're in sync, you get through it, and he's not stressed that he only has 20 minutes. You're not stressed because you only have 20 minutes, but you have the right amount of time. So it's really important that you convey it to the front that this is how much time is needed for the procedure. So. Also recommend practicing your eliminating as much um, possible as aerosols with, you know, better your HVE skills, suction and retraction, using um, Isolite, Isodry, what else is out there? Mr. Rubber Dam, the best Rubber one. If you haven't gotten good at putting one on, now's your yeah. time to shine. If you're state allowed <laughs> to put on one in your oh, state. Oh, that's true. Uh, rubber dam if you're not licensed but if well getting it perfectly set up for your dock holes yeah. punched accurately look at the dentition then set your dots so that you can make sure that you close all the gaps possible don't see any pink <laughs> yeah i mean you can use there's a ton of different isolation techniques it's you know all what's going to work there's actually these cool things too that i looked at one of the um Tales of Two Hygienists, Michelle, she pronounced these NO2 filters, these nose filters. And I was thinking of looking at those for our patients to put in their nose, chair side, to filter our aerosols that, you know, how sometimes if you're working on eight feet, you know, facial, the water goes sometimes up their face. So there's a lot of things we can do better for the, the um, water spray and our HVE and our, and our retraction and our handpiece. Yeah. Okay. So there was a really good question. I've heard it several times. I haven't done the research, but common sense says yes. Nitrous hoses. These people are inhaling and exhaling in a disposable nitrous, nitrous mask or right. one that can be sterilized. The right. hoses also contain that exhaust. Those hoses are, are autoclavable. So 
uh, in your professional opinion, are you telling them to take the hoses off and autoclave those as well? They, before, the ones, they, they should be autoclavable. The ones I used at a practice one time were autoclavable. They took the whole thing. Yep. The whole thing comes off. You can wind it up and put it in your autoclave. Yeah. They put it in a big, huge pouch and they autoclaved. They did nose piece separate, but they autoclaved all the tubing. Right. But the majority of us don't or haven't been, we've only changed out the nose, but now is yeah. the time you, I mean, any of that residual, um, you know, cause it's a respiratory illness. So it's going to go yeah. in your hoses. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't know what resource to give you guys yet. I'm still. Yeah. I'll to have to, that out. We'll have to look at the uh, hoses and, and I would call the manufacturer of the nitrous whatever the thing is called. I'm not really familiar with nitrous because I've only used it once and we don't have it in our practice. Um, but call the machine people that have the nitrous and say, hey, you know, what can I do to make sure these are autoclavable? They have to have autoclavable hoses because I know that the one pediatric place that I was with for a little bit, they um, had autoclavable ones with a nose piece. Nose piece was disposable, I think, and the hoses were autoclavable. But this is where you run into one of those hic hiccups in your giddy up or whatever is mm -hmm. let's say you don't have multiple tubes right you only have this the one set and you had a nitrous patient and you have another one coming in what mm -hmm. do you do these are things that you guys have got to be proactive about mm -hmm. yeah and i would just bring it to the attention that you know the recommendations actually for this is to to autoclave per patient just like with the hand pieces and the hygiene hand pieces they need to be autoclaved per patient and your doctor needs to be following that standard um, make sure you update your procedure operation manual, working out any kinks with you in the dock. They have a ton of isolation things I would suggest by an isolation. We are doing an aerosol generating procedure. I clean, set up, seat my next patient in the room. I guess I'm concerned with my seating next patient in the same room with aerosol still present. I don't know if they're going to be present. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I haven't done the research on that. I know that there's like a variety. I've heard, what, two hours, 17 three hours? To seven. Three to uh, seven. It can live on cardboard for 24 hours. I mean, it can stay on the surface of, of something for days if it's plastic. I, yeah. You know, honestly, like we said before we even started this, is, is the guidelines are constantly changing. It's a right. fluid thing as the science comes out. In the meantime, my personal practice is doing every other room. So oh, yeah. that the room sits for 30 mm -hmm. minutes, period and dot, whether I'm disinfecting or not. Um, and we have the HEPA filters. We also have a, uh, a portable unit that it goes right here um, and it sucks up the, the aerosols. Um, it's not 100%, but it's something that's better than nothing. So between the rubber dam, the HVE directly on top of that right. tooth that's being cut, um, we've got that scavenger basically, and we have the HEPA filter. I mean, I think that's the best we can do right now without negative pressure rooms. And they haven't given us anything that says we can't, you know, every little thing we do is just going to help. Yeah. Till they give us more defined guidelines. Yeah. We'll have Ron just share that link and we'll put them all out in an email, have her get a list of links together and I'll email all the attendees with our, all our links. Um, the OSHA book. So now's the time to dust it off. Hoping it's not too dusty. And really take a look at your OSHA book and go through it from the bloodborne pathogen standards to your medical emergencies, to your chemical and inventory list. Just take time to go through it and update everybody in the office because technically it, it was 
supposed to be once a year, you get your OSHA training, your infection control training, and your HIPAA training, and you know, really take and go through all that stuff. Every single page, make sure everybody's up to date, make sure everybody's up to date with CPR, um, medical emergencies, you know, who's doing what. If you've had um, team change, you know, make sure we have new protocols in place. <clears throat> when we get to the PPE, you'll have to, um, if you're using an N95, you need a written respiratory program. I forget the other P, there's another P in there. Respiratory, written respiratory protocol program. Protection program, sorry, written protection. respiratory pro protection program. Say that five times fast. <laughs> How you're gonna use it, what you're gonna use it for, and you're also gonna wanna have your medical clearances. So when we get to PPE, I'll talk about that. Uh, but your OSHA book, you know, print any updates. So if you, if CDC comes out with new updates tomorrow, print them out, put them in the book, you know, give everybody a copy you know, kind of take charge of being that OSHA person. I love infection control, so that's my thing to do. I'm making my book, so when we go back, the girls and I will have a, a day of going through all this. Um, but really look at your OSHA manual and just make sure it's brought up to date, because in the event that, that OSHA does stop, you want to make sure everything, but your if you can't get a fit test right now, is in there, okay? So if you don't have an OSHA manual, you haven't seen it in a while, have your boss order a new one and just work through it. A lot of companies have ones that you can just buy it and tweak it to what your office does. That has to be customized, but at least it'll give you a guideline to do those customize, okay? Uh, let's see, PPE protocols, okay? This is our meat and potatoes right now. This is what everybody's talking about right now. And this is, you know, pulled from, you know, guidelines. Um, they're not mandatory, they're recommendations and guidelines. Uh, disposable gowns or a washable lab coat and change per patient, okay? So your lab coat must cover your lap, okay? And your disposable gown must cover your lap or go to your knees, one of the two. Now for a regular lab coat for me, sometimes it does go to my knees because I'm short. Um, but so you just have to, so I would do it one per patient. So if you have a washer and dryer on premises, that's great. If you don't, then I would recommend you get disposable gowns. Right now, PPE is so hard to get, but I do think in the back of my mind that a lot of these suppliers are holding off giving dental offices the PPE until we are back to work. Just and like we really need it that are saying that they may yeah. deny claims of non-emergency treatment during state mandated stay-at-home orders. <laughs> yeah, is it either or both? No, I would wear a, like a regular scrub top, short sleeve with a, a disposable gown. I wouldn't wear both. You don't want to overhot yourself. CDA says no need to change per patient. Your patients are not going to lick. Oh, uh, well, I'm changing mine per patient. That's weird. I have to, I'll have to read back up on that because I thought it said change per patient. We're not going to lick if we were shocked. <laughs> I know, but if you think about it, if you get spatter on it, you're gonna wanna change it anyways. Um, so, so with your gowns or what, and make sure your arms are covered, okay? Gloves, make sure you have gloves. At least I say a provider goes through one box a day. 
Okay, we can't reuse our gloves, we can't sterilize them. We need to make sure that they fit the employee properly. What might fit me might not fit Rhonda. So I can't make her wear my glove style. So you really need to make sure that we are fitting our PPE so that it best fits us, okay? Um, N95 or KN95. So an N95 is made in the USA, a K9ND, KN95 is internationally made, okay? Um, I am doing a podcast this afternoon with Linda Harvey of the Dental Compliance or the Institute for Dental Compliance on all about the mask situation. So we'll put that out. Um, I am a certified uh, authorized respi respiratory fit tester. I became one so I can help my area out. Um, I can help my team out. But the N95 or KN95 must be fit tested. Before you put it on your face, you must have medical clearance. And there's a couple companies that provide you with this whole, whole, whole um, checklist. It's like a medical, I went through it and it asked you if you have diabetes, what your weight is, what your height is. Do you get winded going upstairs? Have you had cancer? Do you smoke? Da, da, da. It's a whole thing. And at the end you hit cement, it tells you if you passed or failed. If you fail, you have to go see your physician to get clearance to try the N95. If you pass, then you can get fit tested for the N95. So it's not a one size fits all either. We should have readily available. There's a whole long test you have to go through. It's like eight different steps. Um, you have to wear a hood testing for it. And there's a seal check test. Every time you put it on, you're gonna wanna check the seal. So if your office decides to offer the N95, your boss cannot, the meeting is going to be on a podcast and we're just going to put it out. So Linda and I are just chatting and then Rhonda's going to put it out in a podcast and a webinar. Um, <clears throat> so your boss just can't toss you the ones he bought from wherever he bought them from and say, okay, here's your N95. It has to be fit tested eventually. Now the CDC. Eventually, yes. Eventually. So right now we're under the, the special circumstances for the yes. current pandemic. Everything yeah. right now is not set in stone and they are kind of like, this is what we can do for right now. It's not the best possible scenario, but these are your restrictions within that guideline. So that's why we say, Jules, I mean, it's, it's so fluid right now. They're telling you, you could reuse your N95 in the real world. Yeah. At the end of the day, we won't be able to reuse that N95. Yeah. I, that's why I wanted to wait with Linda because I'm like, mm, reusing them, not reusing them. Um, but the N95, I mean, it is, people are passing out. You don't want to put any other coverings over the top of them. I mean, there's a lot of your, you know, it, there's a lot of uncertainty that we don't know because we've never, I've never worn one. I still, I'm waiting for my fit test kit and I am waiting for our order to come in, but I've never worn one. So it should be interesting where I, I've always used a level three surgical mask. So it'll be interesting when I actually wear one, how I will fit fit. Yep, so if you've ever painted houses, you have had these in the past. <laughs> I, I don't wear one when I do stuff like that, which I should. Oh, Jules, naughty. <laughs> Good thing we're all dental assistants and we're like, yeah, yeah right? you're tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and there's, and I think we shared it on the dental assistants rock stories. Mm -hmm. There was a doctor on TikTok because TikTok is awesome, but they were talking about um, how to check to make sure that it's not a, like a generic or a knockoff in 95. 
So there's going to be the letters on the actual mask, but I don't remember where they are, other than where it says N95. There. But there, yeah, so there could be, right now, you know how bad people are, right? They're going to go mm -hmm. out there and they're going to do knockoffs, just like Prada yeah. and Gucci and whoever, you know, Fucci. So the annual is on hold for right now because an annual that would use fit testing equipment. So what they want to do is hold off on your annual if you've been already used them and medically cleared to use them and know what size and, and model and all that stuff you use. The initial fit test, if OSHA comes in, they will want to see that you have your written protocol in place for the respiratory and a medical clearance for everybody that is wearing them. So I will list a couple companies that you can, it's $25 a person, you sign up with them, your whole team, everybody gets a secret login, they log in, and then your, doc, your doctor will get a report saying if you qualify to fit test it or not. So. And, and are, I know there's a lot of dental assistants that do have asthma, guys. This is going to be a challenging, diabetes. possible make or break situation for you yeah. choosing a career path that maybe doesn't involve. Yeah. And it also had things on there like um, acid reflux. And it was a quite the interesting health history. I felt like I was getting my life insurance policy and it took about 10 minutes. So you can choose. So for certain procedures, I think what we're going to do in our office, you can wear a face shield and a level three mask and your eye glasses. That's what I'm going to choose to wear. Um, if I am chair side for like a long procedure, like a CEREC or something, then I would wear the N95. But I think, or, you know, the hygienist might choose to wear it, but you can wear um, a level three and a, a full face shield um, with what you're comfortable with. So I, I only have a pediatric mass at home, but um, there was a really cool video. I think they shared it in one of the um, infection control groups this morning. Mm -hmm. But in order to, you know, because the problem with our level threes, pretend I'm a baby, is this, right? It's that gap. So um, if you guys go search it, but basically they have you tie this like so. I'm not, I'm not doing a very good demonstrative video. And you kind of pull it down here, right? Right. And then you push this outside in and you kind of fold it up to where it's flat. So flat right there. That way, when I go to put it on, you guys see? Oh, wait. Let's see if I do it right. It's hard to do on a baby mask, but it gets rid of the gap. If oh, it was yeah. bigger and fit my face compared to this side, which they're tight on me because it's a baby mask. <laughs> but yeah, there's a video out there you can find. You know, any little thing we can do right now, MacGyvering is not a bad idea when it comes to your safety. And remember, PPE is the last line of defense. It's all the other stuff that you do up until that point. And I, I would also recommend the hair covering. I really do. I mean, there's a lot of times I've gone into offices and seen people with no hair back here, you know, I say it shouldn't be in their face or in their space, your hair. So, you know, my hair is going to be pulled up, you know, put a cap on just to get it out and just to make sure. Also coming into the office, you should wear your street clothes in, not your scrubs and different shoes and then change when you leave. And if your office is offering to wash or will wash, then I would, um, 
offer to do that. And someone yeah. asked earlier, was there a special laundry? Listen, guys, this COVID virus is easy to kill. A little bit of heat and it's done. Yeah. So you don't have to do anything special. It's just like we said earlier, it's easy to kill, but it's hard to find. So you just have to assume it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Our practice has a, a full apartment above it. So we're going to have the girls go up, change, leave their clothes up there and, and leave. So if you have to take your own clothes home, just make sure you put them in a red bag. Make sure there's some mm -hmm. red bags tied off and bring them home so that when people see the red bag, they know that they should not touch it. Yeah. Um, so just arrive in your st street clothes, uh, take your temperature. Somebody should be taking temperatures and keeping records. Um, if you get up that morning and you don't feel good, please do not come to work. I'd rather have you stay home at least, you know, for now. Okay. I know we all get this sniffles every once in a while, but it is important to stay home. Um, hand sanitizer and all ups or we're available for all employees. So that should be readily available. Check glove inventory. Like I said, it's usually one box per, per provider per day. Um, and masks, usually a box a week, depending on how many your patient, you know, I'm hoping that your patient, that if you were crazy, crazy busy, you know, have several providers, that's understandable, but it kind of goes down a little bit for now until we adjust to the current state of everything. I think we need to kind of slow it down and you know, not be full bore ramping up because that's when errors happen and that's when mistakes are made and things happen. So uh, Jules, real quick, somebody's saying, you know, since we just passed over masks, yes, face shields. Okay, so these masks that we wear, level three, it's not waterproof, you guys. Like it's, it, yeah. it's, it's a filter, but it's not waterproof. So that's why they're telling us to wear, if you can yeah. wear eye protection plus the face shield that prevents that, uh, the, the aerosols, not necessarily, what is it, the water splatter? They talked about when we had that last webinar, um, the big droplets from getting and penetrating right. on the masks. So you have a longer shelf life of the filter part. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, the can, the, 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 the mask we've gone over the, you know, the N95 and the KN95s, um, OSHA, you know, like I said, they're going to be a little lax on your fit test, but as soon as they become a readily available and they're not back on order, they're going to just double check with you. It is, I've heard a thousand dollars fine per employee if you don't have a medical clearance and all that stuff. Um, so you really just want to make sure that your doctor's doing the best. And if they're not, then you know, we have to do what's best for us. So there will be a lot of job openings. I know that I had a discussion with doctors the other day about it, unfortunately. Um, and there'll be a lot of doctors that hopefully their eyes are open to the things that they kind of never thought about because everybody else thought about it for them. So yeah. And, and people being okay with letting, you know, not working in a safe environment. Oh, you know, he can't afford that right now. Or she, she doesn't want to buy it because she doesn't think it's necessary. Yeah. Well, now we have the literature to back us up. We have enough current events to say my patient or my health comes first as an, a team member, as your employee, I yeah. deserve for you to protect me so that I can treat your patients. Yep. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. Do you see the paper charts question? What's the paper This chart? is a good one. So it's, proven that the virus can live on cardboard for 24 hours. Mm. So paper charts them out of the operatory. You can take yeah. the routing slip and then shred it or, you know, Now's a good if, time to be electronically based. If you needed a kick in the butt, there you go. 
that you can um, wipe down that iPad super easy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so New York kids are not going back to school in case anybody's on this webinar from New York. Kids are to stay home for the rest of the school year. Here's to drinking more. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I only have one. <laughs> I have two uh, and our schools got shut down as well. And that's another hurdle for probably another podcast. Yeah. Uh, we All right. Children at home, right? And and what do we do about childcare? You know, know. Our office is going to soft reopen. Yeah, me. it's um, a lot. It's a lot. If you don't have N95, a face shield and level three, please. Face shield level three, and if you can wear your glasses, eyeglasses underneath, wear your eyeglasses. Okay. It is recommended that wearing a new disposable gown for every patient. I saw that once. I haven't seen it again, but I'll do some research on that. All PPE should be removed before leaving the operatory, hand sanitizing, maybe a mouth rinse for the patient to leave, and then re-doning when you go back in the op to clean up. So, I mean, you could take it off and leave it there, but then maybe put it, you know, put things back on. I wouldn't leave your coat there. I would just um, put your, gla your gloves on, your utility gloves, because you're supposed to be wiping your rooms and transporting instruments mm -hmm. with your utility gloves, and make sure your instruments are in a closed container when you're transporting. They should not just be in the um, in the cassette, okay? It has to be leak-proof and puncture-proof. So make sure when you're transporting any type of instruments, you transport them in that type of container with a lid. And also your sharps, you'd need to remove sharps before the operatory because they can only be disposed of from their original origin where they happened, okay? Um, I have heard you can I don't know, blue light these N95s and stuff like that. So we'll do some more research. We'll have Aunt Linda on our podcast give us the correct answers because I don't want to give anybody. Me, I would not reuse them. It's one per patient. It, is it costly? It's going to be costly. But we also have to use them at the right procedures. So would we use them just right, to do aerosol a producing no. procedures. Yeah. <laughs> so. Not an impression. You know, yeah. these smart guys. Like at the end of the day, you know all the stuff. You just have to build that confidence by rereading all of the regulations, all of the guidelines. Just reread them over yeah. and over. It's so much easier than having um, to guess or doubt yourself. Yeah. Uh, closing at night, you know, wipe everything down. The bathrooms, the reception area, flush lines. I would flush our lines every single night. Maybe shock them every single night for the time being. It doesn't cost that much. It doesn't take that long. Um, and make sure you have PP, enough PPE for the next day. Um, I would say flush all your water lines, unfortunately. Yeah, right now, I mean, it depends. I'd rather be safe than sorry right now, but you never know. But if you've had, you know, some good water issues, I wouldn't worry about it. Just maybe once a week really flush them. But, you know, just make sure you're really using your, I use, uh, I know, Monarch and we do our, our HPE lines every single night. And change your clothes before you go home. Um, a couple of other issues we had with PPE. Someone said about PPE, uh, recommend wiping down your face. Yes, Optum. Optum one is my favorite. It's a one-step process. That's also one thing you guys want to um, look at is all the stuff you use in your office if you're using it correctly. I've been into offices where they use a cabaside wipe and they wipe the room down once and they never come back. It's a two-step process, some of those wipes. Sometimes it's a pre-clean and then a, you know, a disinfect step. So make sure that the product you use is you're using it correctly. Um, also, 
if things are not the, being done the way that they're supposed to be done, please, 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 please just, you know, speak up, bring it nicely to the, your boss's concern. And if they don't change, then leave, because this is about you. It should have always been done this way, but really now your, our eyes are all open and a lot more assistants are knowing more and more and more, which we should. And if doctors are not willing to do what's right, then we need to do what's right and find a place to work at that does it right. Does that make sense? Your integrity cannot be compromised, folks. You can't live yeah. like that in no. a healthy mental state. I mean, we talk about overall health and mental health is, is more yeah. obvious. Now There's a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of free resources out there. You know, um, OSAP is, um, if you use, if you go to OSAP.org and you use the code DARocks50, all in capitals, you will get half off their yearly membership. So buy a membership for yourself at $75, put it on a credit card if you don't have the money right now. And then go through all the resources that they have. They have so many resources for us. So many. Okay, so. do you want to do lightning round, Jules, for the Q&A? Because sure. I know some of these yeah. guys got to go. Uh, let's see. What do you say, how do you explain to your doctor that you're not comfortable working with just a level three mask and a shield? You're not... I, well, I say if you have health com compromised issues or you don't, you know, feel like that's enough protection, one, you want to make sure he is using a level three mask, check the box yourself and make sure that they fit properly for your face because some different, some are don't, you know, and then just tell him that you'd rather, you'd ha rather have the N95 and how are we going to provide that? Because I do think for certain procedures, we should be wearing an N95. Absolutely. Okay. Um, how do you approach a patient that's aggressive and doesn't want to wait? What do you mean, don't want to wait? I'm not sure. Um, it was earlier in the doesn't webinar. Doesn't want to wait, like in the car or don't come Possibly, in? Possibly, yeah. That's usually where, that's kind of where we were at when we were talking about well, that. Well, you kindly and I say, please, you know, wait. Or you could just keep your door locked and you have to unlock it every time someone needs to come in. Yeah, we can lock our door and say our door is locked when we want you to come in we'll unlock it and you can come in you know they have to realize that you're doing this not only for them but for yourselves too um informed consents i think you kind of touched on that yep. uh, ada for... has a bunch that you can download and tweak so every patient should have an informed consent every patient should have a covid screening uh, every employee should get screened for co you know the temperature not for covid but every um Employees should have a record of every morning when they come in, we take their temperature. So, so someone, this is, I don't think it was on subject, but I, I think it's an interesting question. Is it against OSHA to have a fan or heater in the op? No, no. Mm -mm. Um, are there covers for the Nomad? The Nomad, uh, there, you could use a barrier on the control panel. There's not actual covers for it, but I would put on anything that you put your fingers into someone's mouth to adjust a sensor, and then you take your fingers out and you push buttons, that button panel should have a barrier. So when you're using the Nomad, you put it down, you put the sensor in the mouth, then you have to pick it back up so where you hold and where you push should have barriers. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You can use chair sleeves for the Nomad as long as they're FDA approved. Yep. And so like uh, someone said, um, 
we shouldn't leave the room. Is it okay to buzz other assistants to get us something? If your doctor has made you the only assistant in the practice and not giving you a, a moving resource, this is the time to stand your ground. Yeah. You need to make sure that you have somebody who can be a free floater and get you things. Because like Jules was Hold saying, if you have to redon all of your PPE when you leave that operatory, you know, you're creating some sort of clean and dirty barrier between you and the hallway. You need someone to bring you stuff. So uh, now's the time. You know, I know everybody's talking about them pinching pennies and money is tight. I get that. But I mean, it's going to cost them more <laughs> to have yeah. you leave that up and redon all that gear. Yeah, I would put your PPE on per patient before you go get them and bring them back. Maybe not so much like I would have your mask, but maybe not your face shield because there's no aerosols right now. Yeah. You know, I don't want to overwhelm them, but at least have your scrub coat on and, and your hair net and stuff. Things that it doesn't take too much for you to get settled into your side. Uh, someone said, how do you keep gloves and masks on the counter from being contaminated? Well, you don't keep them on the counter. No, you can't keep nope. them on the counter. Nothing on the counter, guys. Mount them. There's some beautiful mounts out there that actually there's, we have ones that hold gloves, masks, uh, and hand sanitizer. It's got a little shelf for hand sanitizer. But there's or, something too that you can put a barrier over it is what we're saying yeah. is it can have a collapsible door. Yeah. Um, let's see. Double glove process. What are the suggestions or recommendations? Double glove for what? So there are procedures, right? So you have a, a, a glove on your initial glove and then you have, just like surgeons do, right? They double glove. Mm -hmm. Is that recommended for our career field? In your no. opinion, that could be light right now. Yeah, I've never double gloved for anything. I've just worn one pair of gloves. Because we have to take them off regardless if we're trying to leave. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the, 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 the HEPA filter that you got I'll, um, I'll put it in the link, link. a follow-up okay. email. Mm-hmm, definitely. So someone was saying half staff on site. The question is, the office manager scheduled herself 9 to 5, while the team is scheduled from 7 to 3 and 1 to 8, which creates an overlap, causing 100% of the staff on site for two hours. And the manager possibly contaminating both teams, is this okay? Well, you have to go by your state recommendations for their workforce. So like ours is like no more than 10, but it, we have a smaller office. So, I mean, you have to go by the workforce and that's why things are going to have to slow down for the time being. And one, if she's the office manager, if the office is open from eight to five, I'm sorry, you should be there from eight to five to make sure that's your role. But if you also don't need all those bodies there, you know, spread it out where you're breaking it up and stuff. So I think you have to go by your state regulations of what, how many, you know, people should be allowed to work or what your workforce regulations are. So, and what's going to work. Yeah. And like we said, it's constantly changing. Someone said, um, put a barrier over the hole if, if they have, you know, the cabinet has a hole in it and then the gloves uh -huh. you kind of reach through. A barrier is, I mean, we're talking zero point one that's how big the virus is guys it can get on everything in everything it could literally easily float right into that the box of gloves and contaminate all of them nothing on your counters that's not procedure essential everything's covered everything's barriered uh i mean it's a real deal like we're just gonna have to do a lot more work than we used to I'll have them check OSAP to see. I'll have her, Michelle check that. She did say DA Rocks 50. 
It's for a basic membership. It's the $150 one. So make sure you're entering that one. Again. But I'll have Michelle, the, the executive director, check our code for that. What other questions we have? I think we got them, guys. What do you guys think? And the Q&A box down here? Yeah, that's where I, can, I just pulled from. Oh, okay. Um, are you saying double gloves so you can remove your dirty PPEs? Hmm. I don't know anything about the double gloves for dentistry, guys, but we can look yeah. into it. We can look into it. I mean, everything, I mean, and there's protocols too. The CDC has where how to don it and how to take it off. Like there, there's certain ways you have to do stuff now. I mean, it's just cross-contamination, understanding what it, you know, that saliva was red video. Let's keep going back to that, man, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, I mean, a lot of a, yeah. And we had a lot of, you know, we had a couple of dental assistants from Italy on here and we really, the United States sets the bar and we have Miss Winnie and I forget what country she's in. I think she's maybe in Africa. Um, I don't know, Winnie, if you want to tell us where you're from, but it's really awesome that she is really invested in um, getting all this information, even if it's, you know, we're all in it together, right? <clears throat> and it's changing day by day. So she's from Kenya. Well, hello, Winnie from Kenya. So, but we thank everybody for being on. We are going to put this out in a video, video out on our YouTube, and then also on a podcast if you want to listen. Um, I did, if your boss tried to sign up, I did not allow your hygienist or your front office um, or your dentist to be in it. So if they said, hey, I tried to join too, and I couldn't, that's because they told me you were a dentist and I kicked them out. But I just wanted you guys to be able to answer questions and feel like this was a safe place for you guys. So, you know, if you have any questions, reach out. Everything is changing day to day. Just stay on top of it. And the most you can do for yourself is just to read and learn, read and learn, read and learn, and, and just make sure that you have your own standards of ethics and morals. And that, that will help our profession greatly, greatly. So, yep. If any time that you're ever going to stick up for yourself, um, it's time. Mm -hmm. You know, we appreciate you being on. We'll um, have our mass podcast this afternoon and we'll put that out too for you guys. All right. Thank Thanks. you. Bye, <laughs> Bye Jules. Mwah. Bye. See you later. <laughs>still here wow thanks for tuning in to da rockstars you are so rockstar i hope you guys really learned a lot from that as always jules varney dental assistance rock instagram facebook website da rockstars instagram facebook dental assistance worldwide it's a group for dental assistants where you can share and connect but until next time keep on suctioning